Good morning. Good to see you all. Happy New Year. Ah, I'm going to try that again. Happy New Year. Yeah, we should be happier than ever it's a new year, right? <laughs> this is time. I love that she called, talked about him as the author. The author and the finisher. Um, how many have ever read a great novel or a great story? Anyone here like to read? The author takes such great time and diligence to write that novel, right? They don't just throw it on, on paper. They spend time researching the characters and developing them. And then they mess with time sometimes, right? They tell you something early that they save for later. And then something happens later that affected what you read earlier. Because the author can do whatever they want with their novel. And God is the author of your life. He's the author and the finisher. And what he writes about you will come to pass. We know, come on. That he who began a what work? What kind of work? A good work. Well, what? Be faithful. Calls him faithful. And then listen to this. And just to complete it. I love that it didn't just say we'll be faithful to complete it. But it brings justice into into the equation. And so what I felt the Lord say was he is the author and finisher of the novel of your life. Every detail he has painstakingly studied and researched and organized and crafted. And because he authored it, he will finish it. Not just because he's faithful, but because he's just. How many like justice? Justice are when things are as they should be. And God is not just faithful, but he's just. He's able to take things and make them as they should be. So I just wanted to pray that over you for your new year. That's the new year message, right? That's it. Father, I pray for everyone here, everyone on Facebook Live. Thank you for joining us, everyone connected to this house. God, we go into this new year, and we want to rediscover you as the author and finisher of our faith and of the story of our life. We trust you with every detail. Hmm. We trust you. We talked about it last week, developing great trust, to trust you with all of our heart, to not lean on our own understandings, but to acknowledge you in every detail of our life, and then you will direct our paths. God, going into this year, we ask for you to manifest your authority and your power as the author and finisher of our lives. (laughs) In Jesus' name, amen. You know, uh, I talked about last week that going forward, it's going to take great trust, not, not insignificant trust. I mean great trust, like Abraham taking his only son and obeying God and laying him on an altar until God stopped him from offering as a sacrifice because God told him to. And everything that God told Abraham was true. So Abraham believed God. And he acted on his belief, and it was great trust. And the Bible says that the trust that he had and the faith that he had was put into his account as righteousness. Everyone say righteousness. That means he was in right standing with God. That means all of the accounts of his life were were sufficient. They all measured up to God's faithfulness and his righteousness. And God's calling us to have great trust. Amen? Amen. 
How many felt, have felt, felt that or are feeling that right now? Great trust. I want to trust the Lord. I don't want to trust the doctors. I don't want to trust the government. I don't want to trust the religious world. I don't want to trust myself. I want to trust God, period. I don't want God to be on my side. I want to be on God's side. I don't want to ask God to move onto my side on any issue in life. But I want to be willing and trusting enough to move to God's side on any issue or anything he tells me. That's where God's taking us as a church, as followers of Christ. It's time for us to move forward. I heard the Lord say to me last night as I was falling asleep that he wants Fire Life Church to stop being just a church. He wants it to be a movement. There's a difference between a church being a good church and doing the things they know to do and doing their best and being a movement where there's stuff happening to where it affects culture. And I feel like God's calling us to be a movement. We're alive and we're on fire. That sounds like a movement to me. He's in me for me. He's on me for others. That sounds like a movement. It doesn't sound like a building or a church. It doesn't sound like a a network of people that like each other. It sounds like a movement with powerful people who know their God and will do exploits. I'm asking for you to join me going forward to put a demand on the faith that we have that believes God for signs and wonders. I'm telling you right now, our faith needs to increase to where we begin to see signs and wonders follow us. I'm talking miraculous things should happen in our life because we're not a church building. We're not a group of people that likes each other and hangs out. We are a movement. We have been called by God to be a movement of people, to bring his presence and his kingdom everywhere we go. This is not a club that we're part of. This is not a to-do list that we check the box every week and say we did our religious duty. You are a movement. Would you say that? I'm a movement. And everywhere you go, demons should move. Mountains should move. So we need great trust. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, I burn for this. Like this is, this is I think I've clicked into this. this. These are my roots. My roots are supernatural roots. My family has seen supernatural things. This church has seen supernatural things. Come on. How many have been a part of this church and in your family and in your life, you've seen supernatural things happen that could not be explained This is a movement. This is not a church. This is not an organization. This is a movement where God does supernatural things. And our sons and our daughters need to see miracles and signs and wonders. They need to see things that when people say, how did that happen? They can just say, I don't know. He's God. He can do anything he wants to do. I'm talking about a church that's full of trust And that's full of courage. Everyone say courage. courage. Man, you say the word courage, it, you feel it, right? Yeah. Courage. Courage. We live in a time that requires great courage. Amen. 
because we're living in a world and a system that is upside down, that says that wrong is right and right is wrong, and that there are no absolutes, and that it's worse to live, it's worse to live in poverty than to have a child. So let's abort the child. We live in a world that says we don't want to hurt people's feelings that want to be part of the church, so we water down the gospel. We've had some great discussions in our home over the last few days. I, Josiah, is a, if you want to get into great discussions, just jump in with Josiah and just go with it. I love it. And he's telling me all about these, these videos he's been watching on YouTube where they debate sides of the argument. And I have a sermon ready for this in a few weeks, but, but just as a sneak preview into this. Um, they take conservative Bible-believing Christians on a panel, and then they bring, and this term is false, but I'm going to tell you the term because it's out there, but it's, it's, a, it's not a real thing. So they take the conservative Bible-based Christians, and then they bring in the progressive Christians. And the progressive Christians are the ones that say, it's okay to have abortion. It's okay uh, for homosexuality. You can be a Christian and be homosexual. They believe all these things. These are not Jesus's teachings. These are a whole different gospel. It's not the gospel of Jesus. Who do we think we are that we can take a message that a perfect savior came and preached and turn it to, to fit our culture and the world we live in? It was his message. It belonged to him. It's not our message. This gospel message has been passed down from generation to generation, from our fathers and our grandfathers and grandmothers and on and on and on. This gospel message has been preached, the message of Jesus, not the message of Christianity. And we're followers of Jesus, not of a religion or a specific doctrine. And we live in a world that says, well, we want to get as many people in as possible so we loosen what Jesus said it took to get into the kingdom. And we move the goalposts and we change the restrictions that Jesus said. He said it's not easy to get into the kingdom. He said you have to die, that it's a painful process to step into my kingdom. But once you step into it, it gets easier. Narrow is the way, and straight is the gate, or straight is the way, and narrow is the gate that leads to eternal life. But broad is the road, and wide is the gate. And so we've been having these discussions, and because not only are these beliefs in the world system, but they have crept into the church system because the church has fallen in love with politics and has fallen in love with, with what man thinks about them, that the church has lost its courage. See, even when I just say it there, there's something on it. Courage. The church has lost the courage to speak the truth. Not only to speak the truth, but to stand up for truth and to live the truth. And this is what's required of us going forward. God requires courage from us today. All of us cowardly lions. And I will, and I will, and I will. God wants to give us courage. Everyone say, take courage. See, when we trust God, courage comes with it. When we trust God and obey him, courage follows it. 
And I want us to be courageous people. Every single time in the Bible when there was a changing of command, when Moses died and Joshua comes up, Joshua got instructions from God and God says, be strong and courageous. And then he told him, the key to courage is to obey all of my laws. Because when you obey my laws, things work out for you. How many notice that when we obey God, things work out? And what happens when I obey the Lord and it works out? I gain more courage to do right next time. And it is a perpetual cycle that increases. I do right. I obey the voice of the Lord. It works out wonderfully. I got courage and a shot of adrenaline to do it next time. And God wants us to be people of courage. How many want more courage? (laughs) See, courage already is inside of us. It's something that has to be done and expressed. It's just taking a dive, like standing on the top of a diving board. Like you just have to jump at some point. How many, how many have ever either been the kid or seen the kid that climbs the tall, tall diving board at the community pool and steps out there and changes their mind <laughs> and has to walk back down after, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, excuse me, all the way down the don't, don't be that person anymore. Take courage, jump in, all right? I want you to open your Bibles to the book of Acts. God, I ask that your anointing would be here to stir up courage inside of us as your followers. I ask that you'd anchor us to the ancient gospel, the ancient teachings of Jesus, that we would not move from the, to the right or to the left from these things, that we would not drift from your original teachings. I pray that our sons and daughters would not drift from the teachings of Jesus. Make us followers of Christ. Fill us today with courage. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm not going to read all of these chapters, but in Acts chapter 2, the Bible tells us of how the church was supposed to be gathered in Acts chapter 1. Jesus said, go and wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit, and you will receive power when he comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. Come on. How many want to be a witness filled with courage? So then in Acts chapter 2, the Bible says, as they had been waiting for about 50 days, the Holy Spirit shows up on the scene as of a mighty rushing wind and a sound. Come on. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And the Bible says, there appeared unto them cloven tongues as fire, and it sat down on each one of their heads, and they began to worship and praise God in other languages as the Spirit enabled them. And these people that were outside thought they were drunk because they were acting crazy and foolish, but they were interested because they heard them praising God in their foreign tongue. So what happened during this time was people from all over the world had gathered together in this place for for celebrations and for, for census and all the things that they had to do. So they were from all over the world. They all spoke different languages. And when the Holy Spirit was poured out upon these disciples in this upper room, they began to hear people praising God in languages that there's no way they knew that language. And to them, it was a sign that God was real. And the Bible says the church was birthed in this moment. And they begin to preach. And they said to repent and be baptized, every one of you, and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Everyone say filled with the Holy Spirit. 
See, this is the key to courage. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Everyone say, be filled with the Holy Spirit. So the disciples were converted from disciples into apostles when the Holy Spirit fell upon them. Something changed inside of them when the Holy Spirit indwelled them. It was not that he just visited them for a moment and then left. And the euphoric feeling of being touched and moved by God was just temporary. That shifted them from followers of Jesus into apostles of Jesus, which meant they were his representation on the earth. They went from being a group of followers that liked each other and pretty much got along to a movement. You want to become a movement? You must be filled with the Holy Spirit. You must be filled with, I don't mean just a dabble of the Holy Spirit. Like, first of all, how many of us could just say, yeah, I'll just take a little Holy Spirit. <laughs> I'm sorry. He, he, we get all of him or we don't get any of him. But we have to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so something happened to these, these disciples. They were good men. They were great men. But they turned into something different when the Holy Spirit came upon them. And the Bible tells us that in Acts chapter 3, they begin to shift the way that they did life. Up until this point, Jesus would perform miracles, and the disciples did as well, but Jesus was always right there in the middle of the mix involved. But now, they left because the Holy Spirit's in us for us, but he's on us for others. And as they're going about their duty, the Bible says here in Acts chapter 3, Peter and John went together to the temple at the hour of prayer. It was the ninth hour. All right, and a certain man who was lame from his mother womb, mother's womb was carried. They laid him at the gate daily at the temple at a gate called Beautiful. How oh, awesome, beautiful. This miracle happened at a gate called Beautiful. <laughs> and he begged and asked for alms from the people that went to the temple. And when, who's seeing Peter and John about to go in the temple, he yelled at them and asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on him with John and Peter, uh, with John and Peter, uh, with John, Peter said, "Look at us." So they gave their attention to this man who had been crippled his entire life. You'll later find out he had been crippled for forty years. This man was forty years old. Think about that, Mark. Every day of your life for forty years, someone had to take care of you or lay you at the temple gate for you to beg, just so that you can survive. This was his existence survival. I just need enough money to eat and I need someone to please help carry me because I can't walk. That was his survival. And he looked at them and he was asking for something. And look what happened to these people who turned into a movement, who went from disciples to apostles. Peter said to him, look at us. Come on. Does that sound familiar? What did Jesus say? Hey, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. And now these disciples who have been empowered and infilled with the Holy Spirit are now taking on the same characteristics that their, their, their Savior, Jesus, demonstrated. And now, now they're saying, look at us. In other words, if you've seen me, now you see the Father. Look at us. And the Bible says that the man gave him his attention and he expected to receive something. Now, I don't know if he was expecting to receive money but he had an anticipation that something good's about to happen to me. It may be good just for, to get me to tomorrow, but little did he know that it was something good that was gonna prepare him for a different life from now on. He looked at them and Peter said, 
Silver and gold we do not have. The thing that just gets you from today to tomorrow to the next day, we don't have that. That's not the gospel message. Oh, come on, listen. The gospel message is not the here, I'm just going to give you what you need to survive till tomorrow. That is not the gospel message. The gospel message is a message of abundance. Jesus came to give life abundantly. And so Peter and John said, we're not just going to give you enough to survive until tomorrow. But what we do have is eternal. In the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And they took his hand. And immediately there was strength in his ankle bones and he stood up and he began to leap and he walked and he entered into the temple walking and leaping and praising God. Come on. Oh, that's one of the ones I want to see. I want to, I don't think it's even DVDs. I think when we get to heaven, it's going to be augmented reality and we're going to get to go back in and watch this stuff really happen, right? He was leaping and praising God. He'd been lame for 40 years completely reliant on anyone else and everyone else in his life. And in one moment, because these people turned from followers of Jesus into apostles, from from disciples into apostles, from, from this one thing into a movement, because of that, it shifted everything in this man's life. And guess who got mad? All the religious people. What are you doing making this guy's life better for What are you doing? The gall that you have to fix this man's life. And they begin angry. (laughs) So they did what all great men of God do. They started preaching. (laughs) They performed a miracle. And then they begin to preach the gospel. And they go down the list. And I'm not going to read it all for time, but read it. It's actually, I'm going to read it. Why would, I, why would I think my words are better than just reading it? As the lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them in the porch, which is called Solomon's, and they were greatly amazed, verse 12. So when Peter saw it, he responded to the people. He saw a chance for an altar call. <laughs> he said, men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Why does this astound you? Now, now listen, This was a mourning period for the, for the disciples. And now they've been turned into apostles and now they're seeing signs and wonders. And they're saying, don't marvel at this. This is the way it's going to be from now on. Give praise to God, but don't be like, oh, I can't believe this happened. No, this is the way it's supposed to be. Or why do you look at us as though through our own power and godliness that we did this? Immediately pointing the praise back to God. And then he says, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, but you delivered him up and you denied him in the presence of Pilate. You asked for Barabbas instead of this man. There, boy, sticking the sword in and twisting it. And you denied the Holy One and the Just One and asked for a murderer to be given to you. And you killed the Prince of Life. Hmm. But God raised him from the dead. Come on. And we are his witnesses. Say, we are his witnesses. And his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you now see. Yes, the faith which comes through Jesus has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of all of you. In other words, Jesus made this man completely whole in every way, emotionally. Can you imagine 
as a man who's supposed to provide for himself and his family, not being able to do that except for standing on the corner and begging for money. That all shifted and now he can be a man who provides for himself and his family, what that would do to his emotions. Oh, he was healed completely in every way possible. And then Peter continues to preach. You, you didn't listen to the prophets, and you, but you need to repent that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. And verse 20 says, and may he send you Jesus who was preached to you before, whom heaven must receive until the time of, of, of the restoration of all things. Verse chapter four, what happens? All the offended religious people went and tattletailed and they went and told the people that were in authority and said, these guys not only healed a man, but they did it in the name of Jesus. So we want you to bring them in, arrest them. And so they do. They were greatly disturbed, verse two, chapter four, that they taught the people and preached the name of Jesus and that he was resurrected from the dead. <sighs> Did you know that's a major tenet of, of Islam? They believe that Jesus was not resurrected from the dead. And they believe to say so is blasphemy. And that's what these people were saying here. He, you can't say that Jesus rose from the dead but these guys are talking about it and they're healing people. So they laid hands on the apostles. They put them in custody until the next day because it was already evening. However, many of those that heard the word believed and the number of men came to about 5,000. One day, these people who became a movement saw 5,000 men, not counting women, children again, 5,000 men come to the name of Jesus because of this experience that they had. Y'all still with me? All right. And it came to pass on the next day, the rulers and the elders and the scribes, as well as the high priest, they all gathered in Jerusalem. And when they had them in their midst, they said, by what power or by what name have you done this? Who gave you the authority to do this? See, they were under a world system that believed that authority came from the government. That the government gives you permission to meet or speak in the name of Jesus. No, nope, that comes from God. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit. Come on, remember, he was baptized in the Holy Spirit, and now he's filled with the Holy Spirit. He said to them, rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what, by what means he has been made well, let it be known to you and to all the people of Israel that the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, it was by him. Mm. Goes on down, they beat them. They flog them and they tell them, okay, we're going to let you go, but you cannot speak the name of Jesus anymore. You can't preach Jesus and you can't talk about him being resurrected. It's against the rules. You can't do it. And they said to them, you can judge for yourselves of whether or not we should obey God or you, but we're going to obey God because we cannot help but tell of the things that we have seen and we have heard. We can't help it. We have courage now. We have this thing called boldness, right? Goes on down. 
They further threatened them. They let him go their way. They, they all knew that something amazing happened because the man was 40 years old and they all knew the man. They all stepped by him every day on their way into the temple. They knew him. And here's what happens. Let's, let's finish it off with this. A prayer for boldness is what it's called. Verse 23. And being let go, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priest's elders had said to them. And when they heard this, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God who made the heavens, the earth, and the sea, and all that is in them, who by the mouth of your servant David has said, why do the nations rage and the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Savior and his Christ. For truly against your holy servant, whom you appointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined to be done to him. Verse 29. Now look, Lord, on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness we may speak your word, that by stretching out your hand to heal the sick and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your servant Jesus. And when they prayed, the place where they were was shaken. What's the point? They got in trouble, not just for healing a man. They got in trouble for being bold and saying that it was Jesus Christ who was risen from the dead that gave them the authority and the power to heal this man. That thing that got them in trouble was the boldly proclaiming that it was Jesus and that he was resurrected. They get brought in and told, don't you do this anymore. Don't talk about Jesus and the resurrection. And the first thing they do is they go and they pray and ask for God to give them more boldness to proclaim the name of Jesus and his resurrection. What's the point? You and I need to be baptized with the Holy Spirit so that we can proclaim Jesus and his resurrection with more boldness than we've ever had before. There will be a day in our lifetime where preaching the gospel will be punished. Maybe not in this country, maybe in this country. It is punished in many nations around the world. I mean, right, I I think I just saw recently the numbers like 32,000, between 20 and 40,000 Christians in Nigeria have been persecuted and killed for being Christians. And no one's talking about it. Like there is persecution right now for Jesus and saying that he was resurrected from the dead. But because it's 4,000, 5,000 miles from us, we don't, we, we don't really talk about it. And because it didn't happen on social media, oh, they took down my page, wah. These people gave their life for Jesus. But we do live in a country, there will be a day. I mean, they're already trying to pass rules in the house floor where you cannot refer to someone as mother, father, son, daughter. They want genderless identities when spoken on the house floor. This is the country we live in. There will be a day where it's not okay to say Jesus is Lord and he, raised from the, he was raised from the dead and that his teachings are true, whether they offend you or not. His teachings offend me and I'm a Christian. And the reason it offends me is because I am not yet like him. That's why it offends us. But we need to have courage. And we need to rise up and use our voice 
But the thing about it is not just talking. They didn't just ask for boldness to to only preach the gospel. They said, give us boldness to declare the gospel with accompanying healings, miracles, and signs and wonders. The way we know the gospel is actually being preached is that there will be signs, wonders, and miracles. It's a fact. Are y'all okay? I would like to think that if I was put in a situation where I had to speak for Jesus' truths or just play the game to get along, that I would give my life for the truth of Jesus. But we've got this progressive arm of Christians in the church that we won't even stand up to. And now we're broadcasting our services online because most of the country is still shut down in some fashion or form. So, and people are staying home and that, I, I totally understand, I get it. But for nine months, this has been going on and we're using a platform that at any moment they can take it away from us. And we're, we're not gathering because I, I heard a, a podcast this weekend. I just told Mandy, I was like, this is wrecking me. He's like, if your church isn't gathering, then have a Bible study in your house and invite people to it. Start a church in your house. He's talking, he was talking to people in, in California and other places where they weren't at that time allowed to meet. He's like, be the church in your home. But you, the, the thing about being a church is we gather and we worship Jesus and we remember the blood and the, the, the body and, and we sing songs and we encourage each other and we testify and we preach the gospel that offends us. We need to be offended by the gospel. Like, oh, I'm pretty good. I got it down. No, I want gospel that offends me every time I hear it. Jesus, I'm asking that every time your word is proclaimed that you offend my heart and reveal where I need to grow. This is who we are as a church. We are fire life, and we are not going to just be a church anymore. We will be a movement, and that will require great trust, and it will require great courage. But we sing about it. I want to know his suffering so that I can know his life and reward. What did, he, what did Paul say? I want to know Christ and the fellowship of his suffering that I may know the power of his resurrection. That's the goal. This is who I want us to be. This is who God wants us to be. A church filled with courage. It may cost us something. But I thought of like some examples from the Bible very quickly. Joseph ran from Potiphar's wife and it cost him jail. He would not give in to her sexual advances to the point where he ran out of his coat to run from her and she lied and it put him in jail and he suffered for being obedient to God. 
You will suffer for doing the right thing. But guess what? He was also promoted because of his obedience. Daniel, he prayed anyway, even though there was a decree not to pray to God. He prayed anyway, and guess what happened to him? He suffered. He got put in a lion's den. I don't think I'm signing up for that one. But guess what? His obedience put him in the lion's den. He suffered, but then he was also rescued because of his obedience. The three Hebrew children, Hananiah, Azariah, Mishael, they wouldn't bow like everyone else. Oh, they wouldn't, oh. They wouldn't say the things that society said, you have to say this or you're not woke. They wouldn't do it. They wouldn't bow and it cost them something. They were thrown into a fiery furnace. They suffered, but then there was a great reward attached to it. Look, I, I know that this isn't, this really isn't, this is an old fashioned gospel. This, this is what I'm preaching is old fashioned. And guess what? Those are my roots. I don't want a new fashioned gospel. I just don't. It's not gospel. If it's been turned and twisted and, and adjusted for the times we live in, then it's powerless. Because the times we live in required it to be adjusted. So who has the power? The message or the times? I want an ancient gospel that's worked for over 2,000 years. And I'm anchoring my life to that. And my sons and my great-grandchildren and everyone, we're anchoring to those truths that no matter what it costs us. No matter what it costs. But I'm, not, I'm under no illusions that I won't suffer for that. That's why I need the Holy Spirit. Everyone say one more time with me. I must be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, it would be absolutely reckless, foolish, and cowardly of me to preach this message and not ask who wants to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Would you stand up? Well, come to the front. If you want either to be filled with the Holy Spirit or to be baptized afresh in the Holy Spirit, would you come to the front? Lance, would, would you play some music? Thank you so much. I want a new baptism. Come on. It's simple. You just ask him. We don't have to go through all the rigmarole. Come on. <laughs> God, we know this is our time. <laughs> and when time had fully come, you did the thing that you wanted to do. God, this is our time as Fire Life. This is our moment to be turned into other people that your Holy Spirit would fall upon us right now. Come on, just ask him. He's a gift. It's okay to ask him for a gift. There are many ways that people were filled. They just asked and they were filled. Jesus breathed on his disciples and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. I won't do that, but we will ask Jesus right now. Jesus, breathe on us. Oh, fill us with your Holy Spirit. Baptize us. May we be born of water and of the Spirit. May we be born again of water and of the Spirit. 
Sometimes they were filled with the Holy Spirit by laying hands on people. Father, we ask for you right now to come and put your hands on us. (laughs) We trust you, Father. Place your hands on us and let us be filled with the Holy Spirit. You shall be filled with power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You shall be filled with boldness when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Father, we release the boldness and the power of your Holy Spirit. Turn us into another person. New and afresh. Yeah, come on. (laughs) If you pray in tongues, begin to pray in tongues. That is a sign that will happen. Everyone will pray in tongues. It is a prayer language given to you, it is a gift. We ask that you would fill us with boldness, with all boldness. Give us boldness to proclaim the gospel of Jesus, the resurrected Christ, and accompany our message with signs and wonders. Just ask him, I want to be a movement. I want to be a movement. I want to shift atmospheres with your presence. I don't want to be seen. But God, when I walk into a room, I ask that I'm felt because I've been with you. The same thing they said about the disciples and the apostles. These guys are ignorant. What they believe is foolish, but man, we can tell they've been with Jesus. Holy Spirit, speak to us our inheritance. Here's another reason why you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit, not just for the authority and the power to be his witnesses, but because he's the key that unlocks your full inheritance in Christ. He's the one that releases to you the inheritance Jesus paid for through the cross. So Holy Spirit, we ask for you to come now and begin to unlock the mysteries of our inheritance. So we were making plans and doing some things around the house and Mandy's doing the checkbook and she's like, hey, we got a, we got something in here from the IRS. What is this? I was like, did they finally settle with us this dispute that we've had? Or she's like, no, we already got our stimulus thing and, and I don't want to get into the stimulus, but it showed up in our account. 
You're like, whoa, because we, we have five in our family, $600 a person. Like, well, there's $300, $3,000 in our account we didn't have. Guess what I immediately start doing in my head? Hmm. What can we do with that? <laughs> because there's a, there's a new amount in the account that I didn't have before. I immediately begin to think of the possibilities. How many are like me? You're like, oh, we could do this, we could do this. And, and you know what my first thought was? I'm not gonna spend this, we're not spending this on anything that depreciates or goes away. We're gonna renovate another portion of, for Josiah's room so that it increases the value of our home because I'm gonna make that $3,000 more than 3,000. And I was like, Lord, you're affecting my thinking. Number one, I'm like, hey, it's Christmas. <laughs> we have money, we can do some stuff. And then I immediately think, how can we make this go further? There's a lesson in that right for us right now. There is, an, there is an unlimited amount that is in your account right now that God has deposited in there. It's there. And, and you don't even know it. So God asks open our eyes there are scales on our eyes I, I don't know how they got there or why they're there it doesn't matter but remove the scales from our eyes that keep us from seeing what you've deposited into our account that opens up possibilities and God I ask that you would help us to live from that place that we have a blank check from you all of the time that nothing's impossible for you, nothing's beyond reach. I ask for every single one of us to come to the awareness of what you paid for and deposited into our account. Now, God, make us wise followers of Christ and help us to know how to take five loaves and two fish and feed 5,000 people with it. Teach us that. Teach us the power of two words, three words, <laughs> I can't count. Lazarus, come forth. Three words, resurrects the dead body. You can do so much with so little, God. I ask that our faith would be activated. You said if we have faith as small as a mustard seed, we can say to this mountain, be moved into the sea and it shall be done and nothing shall be impossible for you. Make us a movement. Make us a people who believe this with all of our heart. Now the homework is for you to develop and cultivate your relationship with the Holy Spirit. That's your homework. You have to do this. No one can do this for you. You must begin a history in your relationship with Holy Spirit. You have a history with God as your Father and Jesus as the Savior and a history with the Holy Spirit, but he wants to develop into something new and fresh. He wants to show the authority and the power that comes with the name of Jesus, and he wants to do it in your life. So that's your homework. There's a story in 1 Samuel 10 
where they, he, he tells Saul, he's like, hey, when you see the company of the prophets coming down the mountain, you're going to know that's a sign from God. I want you to just join in and start prophesying with him because the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you and you're going to be converted into another person. And then when that happens, do whatever the occasion requires. 1 Samuel 10, 6 and 7. That's your assignment. Develop a history and a cultivated history and a fellowship with the Holy Spirit and then when he converts you into another person, do whatever the occasion requires. Amen? I know I went really, really long today. This was me cutting it short. I'm fired up with this. I'm fired up about this. I'm fired, about, fired up about Holy Spirit and what he can do in our lives. And I want this to be a great year for you. Father, make this a great year for everyone here. Make this a great year above our wildest dreams and expectations. Surprise us. You love to surprise us. We ask that you would do that. Holy Spirit, we start a new journey with you. We ask that you would help us to be very sensitive to your voice, to your leanings, to your movings. And fill us with great courage. Amen. Thank you so much for being here. If you have a need, we're not going to ask for someone else to pray for you. We want you to ask the Father right now yourself to meet that need. So Father, meet all of our needs. If you do want someone to pray with you, we will, obviously. That's what we're here for. But thank you for being here. It's been a great day. It's been great to see you and worship with you. It's going to be a great year. So we say amen, which means so be it. Seal this word in our hearts, Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Facebook family. We love you. We hope the power of God's in your home right now. Amen. God bless.